According to the Bible, the afterlife is a very real thing, and God has given us an entire lifetime on earth to come to terms with it. For some people, this could be over 100 years, but for others, the afterlife can begin even before leaving their mother's wombs. So what do your kids know about the afterlife? In fact, how often do you discuss it with them? What have you taught them about heaven and hell? Well, challenging our kids to ponder the reality of the afterlife is too often an overlooked component of raising emotionally healthy kids today. But what if you could tell your kids about someone who claims to have been there and then returned to tell about it? Today, we'll be meeting someone who says she's done just that. That's next on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and their families. I'm Rich Rosal, and our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill. And over the years, Trace, I know there have been quite a few people who've claimed to have experience uh, in having this glimpse into eternity, but we've never had anyone like that on License to Parent before today. So I've got to ask you, Mm -hmm. since you're the one who called this, how do you see the testimony of today's guest and others with similar stories as being pertinent to the issue of raising kids? Yeah, well, that's fair. Uh, The first thing that comes to my mind is... That when anyone makes a claim uh, about anything, uh, I think it's fair to teach our kids to sort through it and not automatically accept it or reject it, uh, especially one of this significance. Uh, you know, after all, we're expecting our kids to believe a, uh, a lot of similar things uh, from, from the Bible, uh, not the least of which is the ultimate afterlife experience upon which you know our entire faith rests, yeah. uh, that, of course, being the resurrection of Jesus himself. Uh, so if, if we're expected to believe... Uh, and expect our kids to believe that account from 2,000 years ago, then I think it's only fair to at least hear someone out who claims to have had a firsthand supernatural experience in contemporary times. I think that uh, not to keep an open mind about it, uh, you know, proves us guilty of denying the very power that we claim our God possesses even today. Uh, it also puts us in a, a similar position as, as those uh, those people in Scripture who who were forced to believe or refute the testimonies of those who claimed supernatural experiences back in the day. For me, Rich, the bottom line is this: um, anything that could help build my faith or or the faith of my children, I want to know about it. Uh, by the same token, anything that could clarify what I believe or even challenge it, I want to know about that too. Truth is a lifelong pursuit. It absolutely is. And you know, this is an area we were talking just before the program. It's an area that is not discussed much anymore. We don't hear about heaven and hell that much. Uh, Randy Alcorn has written a book about heaven that, you know, is is worth a read too. Mm -hmm. But uh, as you say, to, to talk to somebody who makes the claim to have been there gives us an interesting insight. And I think a lot of people even wrestle with the whole aspect of miracles. Mm-hmm. Well, this would be one of the biggies. Well, I think that's the, the premise uh, by which uh, they discount these stories. Is sure. When, when you first write off miracles, then naturally a story like this is, is not going to be right. plausible in the eyes of a lot of people. Well, I want to introduce our guest today, and it's helpful to point out that today's guest is not someone who is on the fringe or perhaps not all there. 
her name is Mary C. Neal, and she is a board-certified orthopedic surgeon, a former director of spine surgery at the University of Southern California, and a founding partner of the Orthopedic Associates of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Now, she received her medical degree from UCLA, where she also trained in general surgery before completing an orthopedic surgery residency at USC. She's served as an elder in her church and as a member of the board of directors for several nonprofit organizations. So all this to say, she's pretty sharp. And coming from a medical background, I think you'd agree she should be pretty well suited to know the difference between life and death. (laughs) (laughs) Incidentally, she uh, has chronicled her story in the book To Heaven and Back, which came out in 1999 and was a New York Times bestseller. And she has just released a follow-up entitled Seven Lessons from Heaven, How Dying Taught Me to Live a Joy-Filled Life. And that's published by Convergent Books. Mary, welcome to License to Parent. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's such a privilege. Privilege to have you on. Uh, listen, I, I know you've probably told it a million times, uh, but for the sake of those who've uh, never heard your story, can you give us just a, a brief overview of what took place uh, in Chile that day? My husband and I have been kayakers for decades, and we're very good kayakers, so this wasn't a, a crazy sort of thing, but we went kayaking in Chile in South America with friends of ours who are professionals. They run trips down there and have done that for 30 years. And on what was going to be our final day of kayaking anyway, we paddled a section of river uh, well known for its drops of 10 to 15 feet. We went uh, down the first part of the river and everything was fine. Uh, We came to one significant drop and circumstances were such that I was Uh, propelled over the main part of the waterfall. And as I hit the bottom, instead of being flipped upside down and, you know, sort of uh, turned around a little bit before being spit out downstream, the front of my boat became stuck or pinned in the rocks and the underwater features. And the boat and I were then immediately and completely submerged under eight to 10 feet of water. And that's where I stayed for about 30 minutes. Wow. And... I, at a certain point, asked that God's will be done. And it wasn't a passive giving up to God. It was a very active choice of, no, God, your will be done, regardless of what that means, regardless of whether I'm going to live or die. Mm -hmm. And the moment I asked that, I was immediately overcome with a very physical sensation of being held and comforted and reassured by Christ that everything was going to be fine. My husband would be fine. My four little children would be fine, regardless of whether I lived or died. And then uh, Christ took me through a life review that uh, was like nothing I could have imagined. I would have imagined a life review being all about feeling bad about some of the things he did and feel pretty good about other things. But what this life review was, was all about God's love, God's grace, and God's promises. Because Christ would would pull an event out of my life and I would immediately re-experience it from not just my own perspective, but from the perspective of every person involved. Mm -hmm. And I not only understood their perception of the event, but I had this incredible experience of, of understanding all of their entire life story Mm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. And with absolute understanding comes pure grace. Mm-hmm. And that was remarkable enough. But then in addition to that, I had this incredible experience of 
of seeing the outcome of each of those events, seeing the impact each event had when viewed from a perspective of 20, 25, 35 times removed. And I could have stayed in that, that situation for eternity, but then uh, my body was sort of pulled out of my boat. And as that happened, my spirit sort of peeled away from my body and Jesus kind of released me up to heaven. And, and I was immediately greeted by uh, a group of something. And I, I never really know what to call them because the words mean different things to different people, but they were people, spirits, beings. Mm-hmm. I knew that they had been sent by God to welcome me, greet me, make me feel loved and known. And they started taking me down this uh, incredible pathway. And this pathway they were taking me down was woven together of every color in the universe and more. And it was as though I was not only seeing the color, but I was understanding the color and experiencing the color. And everything was infused with this pure, absolute love of God. It it was the most intense experience. Uh, Well, I've never experienced that kind of intensity on earth. So so color was more than a single dimensional experience uh, on earth. Yes. Yeah. It was... It was not a, um, a, a three-dimensional experience, for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the difficulties in my trying to describe my experience or anyone else trying to describe theirs. Or now, as I look back and I read biblical stories, I understand why it's always a story uh, in which there are metaphors and analogies, because mm-hmm. you cannot describe a different dimension using three-dimensional vocabulary. And so, for example, I mean, people always ask, well, what did Jesus look like? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. (laughs) My answer to that is always the same, which doesn't make sense. But my answer is that Jesus looked like bottomless kindness and compassion. And I recognize that doesn't make sense because those words aren't adjectives that we use for visual descriptions. But truly... That's what he looked like. How did you know it was Jesus? Beyond that, I would say that Jesus looked like all of us. It was similar to when I saw these colors. It was as though I was experiencing every color in the same moment, Mm -hmm. although they were independent colors. So when I looked at uh, Christ, for example, and and if you said, well, what, what were his eye color? You know, what was the eye color? I was seeing all of the colors all at the same time, <laughs> but they didn't mix together. And as I've contemplated this over the years after, it made sense to me because I absolutely believe that we are created beings and we are created in God's image. And if that's the case, then Jesus would look like all of us. But how did you know it was Christ that you were dealing with it, there? Because in this experience, Uh, all of the knowledge was an absolute pure knowledge. Uh, It wasn't, it was, it just was. Mm -hmm. There was no question. It would be like going to the store and seeing my husband and knowing, yes, that's my husband. I don't have Mm -hmm. to ask, oh, hey, are you Bill? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I will tell you that one of the things that I find most wonderful about my experience is that I knew at the very moment Christ started holding me that 
I didn't deserve it. I, I didn't earn it, but Christ was there anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of it. You know, in the Bible, we're told that we can't earn God's love, but none of us believe that. Mm -hmm. We we think that, no, no, we have to do everything right. We have to be perfect to earn God's love because our society is this reward punishment type of setup, but that's not what God tells us. We don't have to earn that love. Right. Do you know of of any non-Christians, people from other faiths that have had uh, a similar experience to you? Uh, yes. And even atheists. In mm-hmm. fact, atheists encounter Jesus more often than Christians do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Think about that for a moment. Yeah. So, so in saying that, in saying that, have you talked to anybody that would say they've they've experienced uh, hell or, or described uh, hell? Yes, I've talked to three people who have said that they they've described their experiences quote hell like, mm. but each one of those three said that they were pulled out of that situation by God's love. Why do you think this happened to you, Mary C. Neal? <laughs> Well, um, that's a really good question. And I can certainly dream up answers, uh, but the real answer is that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me is we ask the question of why from different perspectives. Because you, like many people, are probably asking that question of, why did you get to come back with this experience? I asked the question from the opposite perspective, which is why did I have to come back yeah. with this experience? Because I, like pretty much everyone who has had a near-death experience, had no intention of returning. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was home. I felt like I was where I really belonged, where we all really belonged. And I could not believe that I was sent back as my kids would say I was kicked out, but I couldn't believe that I was, I was sent back and, and I was sent back with a laundry list of expectations and a laundry list of, of things I still had to do. And I might add that there was nothing on that list that was anything I actually wanted to do or anything I felt qualified to do. And I had no interest in that. And one of the things on that list uh, had to do with the coming and unexpected death of my oldest son. And another big one on that list had to do with what I'm doing now, which is sharing my experience with other people, which was not something that I felt qualified to do. It was not something I wanted to do. Uh, I mean, truly, when God calls us to do something, as you pointed out at the very beginning of our conversation when you said, I didn't plan on doing the ministry that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. God doesn't call us to do things that we already are doing. Right. He wants us on his plan. (laughs) Right. And in the process, we usually discover talents that we didn't know we had. Yeah. You know, one of the problems is I absolutely know that God has a plan for each one of us. That's one of hope. But so often people say, well, what is my plan when it's staring them in the face? because so many people want someone else's plan. (laughs) They don't want to do their work. They want to do someone else's work. Or they want to do the great work, but they don't want to do the work at the beginning that leads 
to greatness. Well, think about the logic behind this. If, if, if 7 billion people on the planet follow their own plan, the logical outworking of that is chaos. But if 7 billion people decided to submit themselves to the one true God of the universe, then the logical outworking of that is heaven. So. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And by the way, that's I, exactly right. I've, I've got a friend who who often used to say, uh, "God is not looking for ability; He's looking for availability." And I think that yes. ties into you saying, "You know, God, Your will be done." That's exactly right. For those of you who may just have joined our program, we're talking today on Licensed to Parent with Dr. Mary C. Neal. In addition to being an orthopedic surgeon, she is also an author and she is the subject of the conversation that we're having today about death or near-death experiences. She's written two books, the first called To Heaven and Back, which chronicles her own story of being underwater for 30 minutes and uh, then later coming back to life and having experienced heaven firsthand. And she's also the author of the newly released Seven Lessons from Heaven, How Dying Taught Me to Live a Joy-Filled Life, published by Convergent Books. Uh, By the way, we'll be giving you information at the end of the program about where you can find both of those books. This is Licensed to Parent. A quick break and we'll be right back. Stay with us. The world of digital technology is always changing, and it's changing you if you're comfortable with technology or not. Your kids may take technology almost completely for granted and rarely notice its effects. On the other hand, you may adapt to technology more slowly, but are affected by the digital invasion just as much as your kids. In the book, The Digital Invasion, How Technology is Shaping You and Your Relationships, authors Dr. Archibald Hart and Sylvia Hart-Fried uncover the ways digital technology is changing us from within, physically, mentally, and especially spiritually, and offers therapeutic and biblical strategies to become good stewards of our digital lives. The Digital Invasion also includes 10 pages featuring Trace Embry of Shepherds Hill Academy. Find The Digital Invasion in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent, Dr. Mary C. Neal, author of the books To Heaven and Back and her latest book, Seven Lessons from Heaven, How Dying Taught Me to Live a Joy-Filled Life. And Mary, we uh, we were talking during the break and, of course, at the start of the program as well about how we need to be skeptical, for lack of a better term, when we hear 
when when we hear anything, we especially nowadays, you can't really believe anything you hear. You can't take it at face value. You've got to be discerning. So, um, with regard to your story, a story of dying and coming back, and your experience in heaven, you've got to have run across skeptics. And how do you respond to people? You know what you went through. And for those who who doubt it or say there's some other explanation, how do you respond to them? Well, I embrace them. I actually prefer it if people say, fine, I don't believe you, and I am going to try to prove you wrong. Because my heartbreak for people is apathy, that they just sort of don't put out the effort to look. I absolutely know that when people look at their own life, not at my life, not at your life, not at biblical life. When people look back at their own life, honestly and openly, they will see clear presence of God. They will look back at their life and see God's miracles. And it is only when they see it in their own life, I believe, that people start to say, wow, mm-hmm. God's promises really are true. That's exactly right. I want to ask you this. Um, how did you know you're in heaven or, or, or not some kind of ethereal holding place? Because in your, in your book, Seven Lessons from Heaven, you mentioned that there's no more sadness in heaven, uh, but you also mentioned that you weren't happy to come back. How, how do you reconcile the two there? <laughs> well, I, wherever I was, I'm good with that. You, know, okay. I, you can call it whatever you want it to. It wasn't next door. <laughs> I, all I know is wherever I was, I could have spent an eternity there sure. and I would have been more than thrilled to be there. I will say that, uh, yes, I believe I was he- in heaven, but I also eventually did reach a uh, an entryway, a, a, an archway beyond which I was not allowed to pass. Mm-hmm. And I knew at the time that that was this, sort of point of no return. And so, yes, I believe I was in, in heaven, but I know also there was more. Yeah. I know also that I was, uh, perhaps I was in the, you know, the foyer. You got a, ta- <laughs> you got a taste of heaven at the very least. She was, that at, way. she was at heaven, but not quite in. At heaven's gate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how, would, exactly. how would you like uh, this experience to impact Christian parents listening to this broadcast today? Well, my passion is several fold. First of all, I want to challenge people, and especially people who claim to be Christians, to put out the time and effort to look at their life and try to make this transition from hoping that God's promises are true to maybe believing that they're true to having an absolute trust every day and every moment of every day that, yes, you know what? God's promises are actually true because it is that transformation that I believe allows every person to live in a joy-filled state, which I believe is the life God intends for us Mm -hmm. because joy is different than happiness. Joy allows us to transcend our circumstances and still trust in in God's promises. Yeah. You you and I both have been to our, our kids' funerals, and I can tell you that I didn't go there happy, but I never lost my joy. Was there anything in your experience that uh, would lead you to believe uh, or refute the fact that uh, 
the Bible is the authoritative word of God? And will I see my son who is, you know, not quite, wasn't quite a year old when he left. Uh, will I, what, what, what can I expect to see there? First of all, yes. I believe that your son will be one of those people who are waiting for you when you cross over, when your time is done. And I think he'll probably, like my son, will be looking at his watch saying, man, <laughs> took you so long to get your work done. Attorney watches have no hands. (laughs) (laughs) No, I absolutely believe you will see your son. I'll see my son, my grandfather, my, I mean, all of those people. Mm -hmm. And my perception of the Bible has radically changed since my experience. Because one of the things about near-death experiences that is fantastic is that when we describe our experiences, it is as though we are describing them in real time not pulling out a memory. And it's a radically different type of memory. And I believe that not only is the Bible true, but the people who are writing these words were recalling the stories with the same kind of a memory that I'm recalling my story. It's qualitatively different. When people have had a profound spiritual experience, they describe it the same Every time they talk about it, for however many years they talk about it, the adjectives don't change, the adverbs, it is a pure, absolute memory. And so I I read the Bible differently now because I don't think it's just a memory, because memories change. Mm -hmm. I mean, the day my son died is a big day, and I remember the details, but the way I describe it might change over the years. And so I think the Bible is different in that sense, but I also think that one of our problems in looking at the Bible is we, we don't read it with a sense of grace. We don't read it uh, with a sense of concept, like, wow, you know, God's, God's love infiltrates every word. God's presence infiltrates every word. I think that so often we read the Bible and we try to mold it to ourselves or what we want to have happen. Mm-hmm. And we use some of the words as ways to create our own group instead of reading those words and going, wow, these words, I I need to share these. I need to, I need to be this person that God's talking about. I need to reflect God's love to this world every single day. And I need to be all about God. One of the things that has happened for me is my life has totally changed in terms of the importance of every moment. I know that every moment of every day actually matters. God has a plan for my life every moment of every day, and I better be about it. Yeah, I better be questioning, some, am I sharing God's love every day? And sometimes it takes an experience like yours to, to wake us up to that. Yeah. Mary, yeah. I hate to say it, we have completely run out of time for this conversation, but we would love to have you back another time. Absolutely. As, as, as you told us before this program, This conversation could go on for hours. (laughs) Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Mary C. Neal, author of the books To Heaven and Back and the newest release, Seven Lessons from Heaven, How Dying Taught Me to Live a Joy-Filled Life, which is published by Convergent Books. You can find Dr. Neal and her books online at Dr. Mary Neal, that's N-E-A-L, Dr. Mary Neal Books. Dot com, and she's also been known to hang out on Facebook occasionally. And Mary, thank you so much for thank being a you, part of the man. program. Oh, thank you guys so much. It is an incredible privilege. Thank you. Likewise. Man. And of course, this is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. 
Please remember that the work we do here on Licensed to Parent is but an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, and you can help that work continue through your tax-deductible gift that keeps this radio program on the air and also provides scholarships to families who can't afford residential care. So please help today. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click the Donate button. Again, that's LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time to renew your Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time. <laughs>